This week we celebrate Pentecost. We look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in particular Bishop Daniel Findikian, and his gift of a vision building up the body of Christ. This and much more on this week's Next Step, number 730, June 2nd, 2022. Hi there, this is Susie from In His Shoes Ministries. Thanks for tuning into the Next Step with Father Vazgen. We are the voice of Armadoxy, a weekly podcast started in 2008 that looks at life through the lens of Armenian Orthodoxy. If you're joining us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. And if you're a regular listener, welcome back. In these weekly episodes, you will find that Father Vazgen's messages are timely, thought-provoking, and based on the solid principles of Christ's love, faith, and hope. Now, let's get ready to take the next step. It is hard to believe that we are hitting year number 15 of broadcasting. Wow! I, I just, we thought about it just this week as we were looking at the calendar and getting things ready. We um, we started in June 2008, so we will be hitting our 14th anniversary celebration and starting our 15th year of broadcasting. So very, very exciting. In a couple of weeks, that's coming up. But it's just hard to believe how things are moving along and so much has happened in that 15 years. But that just sounds like an old saying, doesn't it? Tired saying. How about right now? We find ourselves right in between two celebrations. One is Ascension and one is Pentecost coming up this Sunday. And we'll be talking about the Holy Spirit and specifically how the Holy Spirit guides us and is guiding us as we take a look at a very special publication, Building Up the Body of Christ. This is a very special publication put out by Bishop Daniel um, a few months ago and actually saw it printed about a month ago. Anyway, we'll talk more about that coming up because we're going to be talking about the effects of the Holy Spirit upon the church and therefore upon our lives as Christians. But let me begin again. We are in this period between Ascension and Pentecost coming up. And last Sunday was called the Second Palm Sunday. Now, I did a sermon on this and kind of went into it a little bit more detail than I did with you last week. But I I do want to share with you this, this idea because it's a recurring theme that I have. Like when we talk about the the resurrection of Jesus, it's, (laughs) it's too purified, right? It's too sanitized. We say, Christ is risen. Christos Ariavi Medalots. We get excited about the words rather than the actual event. The event of someone dying and coming back to life would leave us not only in awe, it would leave us paralyzed. I, You know, think about if you've had a loss in your family, mother, father, if you've had friend, somebody, and you, you've gone to their funeral, and just imagine going by that same cemetery, you're driving by that same cemetery, and you see that person coming out of that cemetery. You would not just be standing there and say, Christos Ariavimeralots. You wouldn't just stand there and, and say, wow, that's pretty cool. He's back to life. I mean, you would be paralyzed. You'd be beyond yourself. Like, what? And, you know, we've been desensitized to this because it is 
part of our vocabulary these days, right? We talk about it in terms of zombies. What are zombies? People who have come back from the dead. But in the case of Christ, it was completely changed. It changed everybody that was in contact with that resurrected Lord. So much so that these disciples now become apostles, taking the message out to the world. We're willing to go out and die for this message. Given the alternative, given the opportunity to say, no, he didn't resurrect. And then living, they said, no, it's impossible for me to say he didn't resurrect because I saw him. I saw him with my own eyes. I touched him. I I spoke with him. It's real. And, And so much so that, I mean, like they were so affected by this that it was more than just an awe. They were willing to go out and lay down their lives for it. You don't lay down your life for something that's not real, right? And each of these, each one of the disciples went out and was killed. Even John, who we always say, well, he ended up in a prison. Well, he was imprisoned for that reason, right? I mean, every one of them was tortured, was, was went through horrible, horrible uh, events because of the resurrection, because they would not deny the resurrection. And this affected the way they evangelized the world. And we read in the book of Acts, there was an occasion where 5,000 people were converted. I mean, when you when you convert 5,000 people, I mean, if you convert one person, that's like kind of really neat if you could do that. But imagine doing 5,000. It means that people were seeing within you the presence of Christ. They were converted at the same level that Christ was converting. Think about that for a moment. Well, what is that power? What is that means by which you can convert? And this is where Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm giving you the comforter, the advocate, one who will advocate, who will remind you, the Holy Spirit. And so, of course, we in the Christian church, we have this concept of a triune, a trinity, holy trinity. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And many times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's that one person of the Holy Trinity that we, well, we know he's there, but we don't really understand it. I mean, you know, it's it's like you can understand a father because you have a father, good or bad. And if it's bad, you can place it in contrast to what a good father might be. So you have a human approach to it. You have that understanding of a parent. A son, you can understand what a son is, the relationship, father and son. But Holy Spirit, well, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things like you think about and you say, well, there's a spirit, it's kind of flowing. Is it like the, what the Native Americans talk about, the spirit of the universe? Is it something beyond? Is it something what the Eastern people, Eastern uh, religions talk about? Is it just ethereal? Is it there? It's very specific. You know, there's a beautiful hymn in the Armenian church dedicated to the Holy Spirit. And if you've been to an Armenian baptism, if you've been to a consecration, you've heard this particular hymn, probably never really paid attention to it, apart from the fact that a dove, a um, brass gold dove is lifted up and you will see the cleric, the, the priest or the bishop, pour out of that dove holy muron, the holy muron being the symbol of the Holy Spirit. But the dove itself 
you know, is the reminder, it's the symbol of the Holy Spirit. And the words to it, the dove that was sent came down from on high with a great sound. And like the flashing of light, he armed the disciples with fire while they were seated in the upper room. Now, this reference to the upper room, of course, to the to the Pentecost, the story of Pentecost, which comes to us from the book of Acts, St. Luke's recounting of the Acts of the Apostles. And he talks about how the, the disciples were together and the Holy Spirit descended upon them. But in the same hymn, if we continue, it describes who this person is, who this Holy Spirit is. It says, the dove immaterial, unsearchable, and does that sound familiar? God, unsearchable, mystery great, beyond understanding, beyond our words, mystery deep, inscrutable. We sing it every week in our Chorot Chorin. Now in this hymn it comes out, the dove immaterial, unsearchable, that searches the deep counsels of God. Uh, we're getting a little poetic there, aren't we, right? The dove is unsearchable. The God is unsearchable. But this dove is now gone in and searches the deep counsels of God. And taking the same from the Father, in other words, the same, the, the same as the Father, part of the Holy Trinity, tells of the awful second coming. And awful in this case means the awe, full of awe, you know, the, 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 that expression. That you're, it's, it's beyond your words. You're full of awe. And this, the Holy Spirit, is declared consubstantial with the Father and the Son. There you have it. There you have the Holy Trinity. Now, this is the hymn dedicated to the Holy Spirit. It is sung on, and it is sung as, uh, on Pentecost as well, but it is sung whenever the Holy Muron is present in one of our services. The Holy Spirit, the one that we least understand. Let's say it like that, right? But the Feast of the Holy Spirit happens to be this Sunday. And we believe the Holy Spirit is there and uh, in, in all dimensions of our lives, but most specifically in the dimension of our community life, that is, in the life of the church. I mean, recount that in our confession of faith, Every Sunday we say this as part of the Nicene Creed, a creed that was developed by the early church, uh, 4th century, 325. In other words, this is the definition of what a Christian is. Uh, we have no argument with anybody, but if you want to say, call yourself a Christian, you have to adhere to these things. Namely, that you believe in one Father, you believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in the Holy Spirit. And the fourth one, of course, is in the Holy Church. You also believe in the Church, the one universal and apostolic Holy Church. But let's look at that passage that we read every week in our confession about the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit the uncreate, okay, now when you get into that word, not created, in other words, was there, is God, okay, the uncreate and the perfect, who spoke through the law, through the prophets, and now through the gospels, who came down upon the Jordan, preached through the apostles, and dwelt in the saints, in other words, is living in the church today, therefore, 
is guiding the church. We believe that. We believe that the Holy Spirit, it is the Holy Spirit that guides the church. A lot of times we get, we, we forget about this point, you know, conveniently, conveniently an election takes place or something uh, takes place in our, the life of the church. And we say, well, wait a minute, you know, these are people, this is, uh, they're going against the Holy Spirit. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> you either believe that the Holy Spirit is guiding it or you don't. And sometimes if things don't work out the way you do, it is very difficult. It is very difficult for you to see, especially when you look at close up at some of the dimensions of what's going on in the church. You say, well, where is the Holy Spirit? But back off a little bit. I think I've shared this with you several times. One of the most beautiful days that I've ever had inside of a church was when we were on vacation several years ago. We were in New Mexico, and of course, there was no Armenian church, and it was uh, it was just, it was before the kids. It was just my wife and I, and we were driving through, and it was Sunday morning. We said, you know what? There's no no Armenian church in the area, and we're just so used to being at a church Sunday morning. We went into a Catholic church, and we prayed. And uh, we we just had this most spiritually uplifting uh, experience. And on our way out, we looked at each other and said, you know, why did we feel this way in this church? Well, we didn't know the priest. We didn't know the people at the altar. We didn't know the congregation. We didn't know any of the servers. We didn't know the parish council. We didn't know the background. Uh-huh. The people that make up that church. In other words, we had gone there and we had seen the full glory of the Holy Spirit working through the hymns and through the prayers. Now, that's a unique vantage point to have. But can we ask ourselves to have that? And I think about this often because when we go into a church, it is a lot of times our, our perception is filled with the people who make up that church. And yeah, that's part of it. Absolutely, but it's not the entirety of it. Yes, those people are important. Without people, you're not going to have the church. There is no such thing as the one Christian. You know, it takes a community. But where is to, to, to spot the workings of the Holy Spirit? You have to be in a life of prayer. You have to be understanding that the Holy Spirit is guiding the church. Sometimes it may be difficult to see that. Sometimes it may be difficult to understand that. But the guidance of the Holy Spirit is something that we believe. And it's in that spirit, no pun intended, I guess. It's in that spirit that I want to talk about um, this incredible book that came out called Building Up the Body of Christ. It was put out by Bishop Daniel, a bishop of the Armenian Church, a hierarch of the Armenian, the part of the hierarchy of the Armenian church. Now, when I say this, this is very important to, to keep in mind because you have a lot of people who talk about these things, but to be able to be in the hierarchy of the Armenian church, and this is where I believe that the Holy Spirit has driven him because the, it's one thing to be able to talk about it. It's another thing when it comes from the hierarchy of the church. And now you're talking about a bishop who was consecrated with the Holy Miron, who upon his forehead was dripped the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit to guide and direct the church. And this bishop comes out with this statement, building up 
the body of Christ. And that's what I want to spend the rest of today's podcast talking about. Because here we have a document, a document that puts it down in black and white, what our direction should be here in the especially here in the United States, but I would say especially for all of our listeners throughout the world, anywhere within the diaspora. And I say that because I think the situation in Armenia is is, is quite different than the diaspora situation of the Armenian church. The reality of the Armenian church in the diaspora is different in the fact that we are... Uh, we, we are in a pluralistic society. Not that there isn't pluralism in Armenia, but basically all around you, you have it, it's more homogenous than it is over here. So let, let's keep this as a direction for us right now, wherever you may be. And to, get, to give a better understanding of this, let me read right from the cover of the book. Bishop Daniel writes, We American Armenians of the early third millennium have the rare opportunity to restore listen to that word restore it's not talking about a, a a revolution which takes it in a different direction as i've shared with you many many times on the next step no when we talk about these things it's like restore going back going back it's just like joseph and mary when they thought they had lost jesus they hadn't lost him but they had to go back to jerusalem right to look for him talking about the age 12 incident, right? Luke chapter 2. In case you, 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 you missed that, right? Joseph and Mary, right? They have to go back to find the Jesus, to find him. And where is he? He's right in the temple, right where he belongs. Bishop Daniel's right. We have the rare opportunity to restore our church to its traditional stature in Armenian life. So if that ex it excites you, I know it does me, I want to tie it in with this very special feast that's coming up this Sunday. And that's the Feast of Pentecost. As I said a few minutes ago, we are in between the Ascension and the Pentecost. At the Ascension, these disciples became apostles through this commandment, the Great Commission, but they didn't have the tool, and the tool was given to them at Pentecost, namely the languages, namely the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so last Sunday, which we called the Second Palm Sunday, and, and please do check out today's show notes because there'll be all kinds of references to all, everything we spoke about today. Last Sunday being called the second Palm Sunday is exactly this opportunity for us. Figure that on the first Palm Sunday, when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, people didn't know he was going to resurrect. And so they all abandoned him. By Thursday of Holy Week, he's left alone. By Friday, when he goes up on the cross, what is it, like four or five, six people at the foot of the cross? His mother, a couple of the Marys are there. John, the disciple that he loved. At the most, maybe half a dozen people of his followers, of the thousands that were there on, on Palm Sunday. Now, these people didn't know, didn't know that he was going to resurrect. At the second Palm Sunday, which we celebrated last week, we are after the resurrection. 
We are exactly 40 days after where he ascends. And now we have that Sunday, which we call the second Palm Sunday. As he's coming into Jerusalem on the first, he comes into the eternal Jerusalem on second Palm Sunday. Now that you have seen the resurrection, you've changed. You've been transformed. Like the disciples who were transformed. And so the saying, fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. This is our second chance. At the first time, okay, can't blame anybody. Nobody believed it. But the second time, we've seen the resurrection. We've known what's happening. We know what's going on. The second time, if we don't, if, if we don't jump on, then shame on us. Then the blame is on us. And here you find the beauty of the Christian church. Yet another opportunity to reconcile. Yet another opportunity. In other words, God's never through with us. God's love for us is eternal. And so, you get another chance. Okay, grab that chance. Here it is, Second Palm Sunday. Getting ready to Pentecost. Getting ready. Okay, the Holy Spirit's coming. We're going to get the tools by which to do the ministry that we want to do. Now, I talk about the ministry in the in the Christian church, in our Armenian church. You're free to take this in any way that you want because there are many ministries. The ministry of raising family. Okay, you know that you are empowered. You know that you have to raise that family. But you need the tools, the tools. You know that you want to do the work ahead of you. You've prayed about it and God's giving you the tools through the Holy Spirit. This is what happens on Pentecost. The disciples, empowered by Jesus' great commission to go out there and preach to the entire world, to teach them all that he has commanded us, to baptize people, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that promise that he is with us to eternity, till the end of the ages. That's the great commission. Okay, he's given that to us at Ascension. Now the church has it. Okay, what are we going to do with it? (laughs) How do we actualize it? We need the tools. Okay, Jesus said, relax. I don't know if he said that, but he says, the Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you. He's going to give you those tools. And so on Pentecost, according to the Gospel Gospel of St. Luke, part two, (laughs) the book of Acts, we read chapter two that the Holy Spirit descended upon these disciples and they became apostles, one who now were empowered to go out and preach to the entire world with the tools, the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, giving them the power of language. And we know because of that, Thaddeus came to Armenia, Bartholomew followed a few years later, Peter went on to Rome, we know that Andrew went on to Egypt, Thomas went on to India, and and so on and so on. And so we've got this entire story of the, the, the birth of the Christian church because of this one event on Pentecost. And now here we are, 2,000 years later, and a bishop, a bishop of the church, has proclaimed we need to build up the body of Christ. That's what we'll look at during part two. We take a break every week and play a song of the day. Here's my selection for this week, giving us a little time to relax, fill up the cup of coffee, digest what's been said, 
and get ready for part two. Here's today's selection. I hope you enjoy it. Spirit of God, appropriately for today's theme. That is from the Divine Liturgy of the Armenian Church. In this particular recording, you probably have not heard anywhere else. This was recorded by a dear friend named John. He was in the monastery of Gerart in Armenia, and he hand-recorded this entire, the entire Divine Liturgy. I wanted to take this particular hymn out, devoted, dedicated to the Spirit of God. It happens to be the hymn that that follows immediately the consecration of the gifts. So in our divine liturgy, the gifts are brought over, the the bread and the wine. And during the divine liturgy, there's a process of transformation where the Holy Spirit descends upon these gifts and they become the actual body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And following that, that event, that activity, during the liturgy, the choir breaks out in this hymn of praise and thanks, Kohanamkuskin, of, of thanksgiving to the Holy Spirit for transforming these, the, these gifts into the body and blood that redeem us. Just beautifully, beautifully rendered. I wanted to share that with you today. And I want to thank John for recording that. He had much better luck than I did. I was. Let me say it this way. If you're ever in Gerhard, do not be responsible for a group of people. Do not be responsible for people who are tugging at you and asking you questions because they get into the recording as well. Suffice so to say that I'm happy that John got this recording. And I hope you all enjoyed it. And it was spiritual uplifting. Back to our show. Welcome back to the second portion of today's show dedicated on this Pentecost, week of Pentecost, to the Holy Spirit. And we are focusing primarily on the gift of the Holy Spirit that was given to us in the form of Bishop Daniel Findikian. That's right. The Holy Spirit guides the church vis-a-vis people. And we were given this beautiful opportunity to have with us a bishop of the Armenian church who is expressing himself as an overseer, as a bishop is, as a bishop who is canonically consecrated with the Holy Muron, with the Holy Spirit to lead his people. And he has produced this beautiful book. It's a vision, actually, a vision statement, building up the body of Christ. 
the subtitle, The Treasure of the Armenian Church for Our People Today. And I, I really challenge you to go even beyond that and say it's a treasure for the world. Now, this book is available, and there will be a, a link on today's uh, show notes, free of charge. Just go to the website. I believe it's on vim.com. Anyway, we will have the link on today's show notes. There is a PDF you can download and you could read it. You can also hear the author read it. In his voice, yes, Bishop Daniel. An audio version of the book. And of course, you can get the hard copy. You can order the hard copy. So there will be uh, links on today's show. And all you need to do is follow it. And I'm, I'm hoping that you will take the time. It's a small investment. Let me tell you how many. It's, uh, I don't even think it turned. It's 40 pages, right? No, excuse me, 45 pages. It's a small investment of time for anybody who is concerned. Anyone who has a, a small notion of understanding what the church's potential can be in the world today. I am going to invite you to read it or listen to it. But today what I want to do is kind of follow through. If you were with us a few years ago, you know we interviewed him right when he was elected as primate of the Eastern Diocese. And people often say, well, okay, now he is no longer the primate. <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's a bishop of the church, right? One is a position. One is an ecclesiastical um, rank within the church. He is a bishop. He's an overseer of the church and will be and is today, right? And so it's a message that comes to us. Secondly, often we make the mistake as people who are part of the church of shelving these things because the timing has gone off. For instance, for in the, take a look at the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, when you look at what's happened within our lifetime from Vatican to all the way up to the, the, the revolution that Pope Francis is bringing within the ranks of the, of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, you could see that we have experienced these these differences, these different pontiffs. And this, when I say we, we who are not part of the Roman Catholic experience, we experience it from the outside. And you look at it and you say, wow, each of these places. And I'm sure that all of you have had at one point or another somebody who has given you a quote or sent you a quote or given you a book on one of the pontiffs, perhaps John Paul II, a very big one who they, later the Roman Catholic Church beatified and made into a saint. Well, those words are, are still very, very significant and important within the life of the church. So again, here is a bishop who has documented a vision, a vision statement for the Armenian church, especially in the diaspora, more especially here in the United States. And his words are resounding and cannot be forgotten nor dismissed. And this is why I bring it up today, especially at this Feast of Pentecost, when we remember that the Holy Spirit is the one who descends upon the church, guides the church, builds the church, and, uh, and leads us. And I think that here is a statement that cannot be dismissed, in fact, has to be reviewed. And so I want to do that with the, with the understanding that I hope that you will take some time and read it or listen to it and really absorb what um, what his grace bishop daniel has to offer 
Now he begins his on very sound footing by quoting right out of Ephesians, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to back it up a little bit. He starts quoting from Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11. Let's go to the beginning of that chapter. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So I wanted to start off a little bit earlier than where Bishop Daniel starts because we want to understand the context in which this statement of building the body of Christ comes from. It's in the context of the early church finding the importance of unity, finding the importance of having a mission towards that peace and understanding that it is all possible, only possible through the love that we have towards one another. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. And in each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so with that background, with that preface, now let's pick up where Bishop Daniel begins. He says, the gifts, this is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Okay, there you go. That's the beginning. That's where it starts. And this is where Bishop Daniel begins his statement, his vision. His vision is like, okay, if we are the body of Christ, then let's build it up as it should be. This is why I was saying, do you remember earlier I I mentioned that it's different, uh, the diasporan church as opposed to the Armenian church. And he goes through this quite a bit, talking about the different aspects of where we are today. And you've got to think, do you remember several years ago, there was some event that took place, and I remember the Catholicos was there. And uh, yes, it was it was at a conference. It was at a conference at USC, and I made this statement, and he caught me on it. And he said, he actually came up to me, and he said he appreciated it because we always talk about we being an apostolic church, so we trace our roots to two thousand years ago. Okay. When in reality, what we have is a hundred-year-old church. It's it's a church that's been built on that on those ruins of genocide, and this is where you have to believe that the Holy Spirit guided us and has brought us here. But what happened is in the diaspora, because we were outside of the homeland, the church became this place where Armenians would congregate. Remember, a few weeks ago, I shared with you William Saroyan's uh, famous quote. And I mentioned in there the one thing that he doesn't 
mention. He says, yes, you know, tear down Armenia, build a, bring two Armenians together, and they will create a new Armenia. Yes, the one thing he doesn't mention in there, where can you, where was that place that the two Armenians would meet? And it was only the church, because after the genocide, the church became that new Armenia, where the Sepastatsi could sit with the Kharpertsi, where the the guy from Erzurum would be sitting with the guy from Adana, and they'd be talking, they'd be sharing culture, they'd be sharing their past, and they would say their prayer. And now what Bishop Daniels is saying, instead of, and they would say their prayer, that prayer was really the focus The prayer was what kept us going. And so throughout this book, Building Up the Body of Christ, Bishop Daniel is inviting us as participants to understand where we are today, to understand where we've gone. And I'm sure anybody, and if if you're listening to this show, I'm sure you're not only an anybody, you're somebody with a true concern for the Christian message, your true concern for the Armenian church, the, the ancient tr- church, the ancient tradition, anyone with that c- concern is going to look at this and going to say, there, these are things that I can relate to. For instance, what we deal with in, in churches right now, we have situations where a lot of times um, the administrative responsibilities are so great that we lose sight of why those administrative responsibilities are there. You know, we we always shy away from calling a church a business. We don't want to say a church is a business, but it is. Not that its goal is to make money, because that's the usual. That's the, the, the that that's what people think of when they think of, oh, it's a business, you should be making money. No. The point of a business is to be successful in your endeavors. And in that case, yes, a church is a business. And you should be working to make that your endeavor, namely the gospel, getting the gospel message out to people, the commission that Jesus Christ has given us, doing everything that you can. And so as a business, yes, you have schedules, you have meetings, you have operations. But sometimes what happens is that these means become more important than the end. Bishop Daniel talks a lot about this, about the different things that we have. You know, we I, I saw a, a flyer the other day for a fundraiser for one of our churches. I can't even tell you what it is. It's just so ludicrous and obscene, really, because when you think about that, this is how you got to make money for a church. I think at that point, you need to just, you know, close the doors if if that's what you got to resort to, to make money. Think about it, you know? I mean, I one of, one of my, uh, one of my happiest moments in church life was after 13, 14, 15 years, we were at the youth ministry in Glendale. And we realized that we had survived for a decade and a half. And not once had we given a chicken dinner (laughs) to subsidize the youth ministry. And I came up with this statement, not one chicken has died for this church. I mean, why should they? I mean, if you're going to have a chicken dinner, 
it should be because you want to get together with friends and you want to enjoy. If you're going to have a picnic, it shouldn't be a fundraiser for a church. It should be a reason because all of your families at the church want to get together. And yes, you are going to charge for a meal. And yes, you are going to charge for those drinks, for something cold in the middle of that summer. Yes, but this is not the fundraiser. And what happens is that a lot of times we see people who who miss the point of it. Oh, you've got to come to this. It's a fundraiser for our church. What? And you know, the the <laughs> what is perceived from the outside is, are you serious? This is a fundraiser? You, you count on this, uh, you know, this $300 that you're going to make at this picnic to keep your church doors open? But we all get caught up in that, don't we? Right? You've heard it. You've heard it along. Come and support the church by doing this, going to a bingo night, going to this or that, right? It's obscene, really. And so Bishop Daniel calls us to this higher profession of faith. And it's not just pie in the sky. It's one after the other he goes through by looking at the different formats, looking at the different models that we have right now of administration, of education, and seeing that we have an opportunity right now to renew ourselves, rebuild ourselves, and in so doing, building up the body of Christ. In other words, what was life like before the genocide in the church? Let's push it even farther. What was the church like in apostolic times? Remember what I said earlier? If you were driving past your local cemetery and you saw your friend come back, come walking out of that that cemetery, <laughs> you would be not only in awe, you'd be you'd be floored at that point. You couldn't believe it. You'd go into a shock. And that shock would make you a different person. You would be transformed. You would be transformed into somebody who would be speaking, only you'd be speaking about this miracle that you had seen beyond what you can, what you could have imagined because everybody else throughout history has died and they have gone into that cemetery and now someone has dared to come out. And that's the premise of our faith. That's what we believe as a Christian church. And so Bishop Daniel, throughout this, this uh, small book, his vision statement, talks about the healing process that we have to go through. He, wrote, he writes, A healing church cannot be content only to preach to her own, within her own doors. She must model the loving communion of Jesus Christ from its Christian-Armenian perspective outside her own doors in ecumenical and interfaith circles in her immediate neighborhood in the broader conversation of American society. Put in there whatever society you happen to be listening in. Why not? Yes, British society. Why not? French society, Argentinian society. In other words, the church is not an island unto itself. We have these treasures which we need to share with the world. But the only way to do that is for us to be convinced of it. And this is where we need to, we need to back up. 
Go back to that story that I was telling you from the Gospel of Luke. Mary and Joseph are traveling with their friends and they go a day's journey and they realize that Jesus is not with them. Now, yeah, I know today you would lock them up and you'd say, you know, child abuse or they're negligent parents, right? No, back in those days, they would travel in caravans. And obviously the parents were in one group and the children were probably in another caravan. So it was very natural that you wouldn't be with your child. For a whole day's journey could have taken place where you wouldn't see your child. But he was 12 years old and they realized that they had left him back at Jerusalem. So in panic, they go back all the way to Jerusalem. And there they find Jesus in the midst of the elders in the temple. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, where did you expect me to be? I would be, of course, in my father's house. And now think about that as a model for where we are as people, as church members, as people concerned about our faith of the Christian Orthodox Armenian Apostolic faith. Think about that. What we have and what we have today. In many ways, we're like Joseph and Mary. We've walked away and we've, not that we've abandoned, not that we're horrible people. We need to get that out of our head, you know. A lot of times I hear too much of this, this bashing of people. People are good people. But sometimes they need that leadership, and that leadership comes to us vis-a-vis the Holy Spirit, touching people, and in this case, Bishop Daniel, touching him and inspiring him to lead us. And he's put down this, this record here, this vision statement, okay? And so, like Joseph and Mary, we, we look back and we see, oh, wait, this is what the church was. This is where Jesus was. He sh- where is he now? He's not lost. He's right where he should be. Our faith is not lost. It's right where it should be. But it depends on us to go back, to head back. I remember several years ago when we were talking about women in the Armenian church and someone says, well, this is too revolutionary. You know, what are you trying to do? You're trying to bring women into the church and everything. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. The church has always had women in the church. In fact, the apostle to the apostles was a woman in the person of Mary Magdalene, right? The first witnesses of the resurrection, the first people who were in awe were the women. In fact, throughout history, we've had women deaconesses, biblically and in the early centuries and until today. So when we talk about women in the church, it's not that we're making a revolution to to do something brand new. No, it's looking back and saying, hey, this is who we were and this is who we can be. If we go back, like Joseph and Mary, and find those roots. I'm going to share with you the, the uh, titles, the subtitles that he has, so you can get an idea of where he's going. Believers here and there, 
it wasn't always that way. In other words, what was the church like before? What we were talking about. Building up the body of Christ, the journey towards cultural change. And this is a very important one. Probably the, the this one statement, this one chapter in the entire book is the most difficult one for people to come to terms with. But it's the journey towards cultural change for us to understand what the purpose of the church is. Uh, built on the the scriptural passage that we read earlier and a foundation on which to build and then he talks about moving forward this book is available as i said on the website i'm going to ask you all to read it and i think the most important thing is we have to on this pentecost as we're looking at the gifts of the holy spirit in driving our church we have to understand yes the gifts that were given in Acts chapter 2 with the gift of language but that doesn't mean just uh, you know Armenian Italian and um, and French and English it also means the gift of language of conversation of leadership of vision of people of vision such as Bishop Daniel Findikian he is a bishop of the Armenian church we applaud him for writing this and I I hope and pray that it inspires, it touches people, not with just a, a superficial uh, sweep, but actually moves them into action. It has to me. I'm very, very excited about it. And for one, I don't want to say my excitement is contained in something that was. Rather, I'd like to say, here in my hand is a vision statement that is, is a guide for us to move forward is a direction for all of us to absorb to take and use it as a means for us to to find our place within the church keeping the focus the focus real on what is the purpose the meaning of our faith in this world today the armenian church may be calling out to us but so is the world and we do have something to offer the world a treasure, which we call the Armenian Church. Okay, piano player's here. I can't compete against him. Once he gets into the studio, I've got to make room. Here's Susie to make her announcement. I'll be back in a couple moments, okay, to give some parting shots. Before getting back to the next step with Father Vazgen, I'd like to take this opportunity to remind you that this ministry is supported through the heartfelt donations of listeners like you. Thanks for keeping us in your prayers and partnering with this expanding and dynamic outreach. The next step is entering homes and communities with a solid message proclaiming God's message of love, forgiveness, and compassion. We look forward to your comments and words of encouragement. Please consider partnering in this dynamic ministry by making a contribution. By pressing on the donate button on our website, you can set up automatic donations, either weekly, monthly, or annually. Your donation goes a long way in furthering this ministry. Even more, tell your friends and family by sharing the Next Step link or website with them. We're on iTunes and Blueberry as well as Facebook and Twitter. We are excited about this ministry and invite you to share in our enthusiasm. This is Susie wishing you all of God's blessings in your life. We now return to the next step with Father Vosgen. 
Thank you, Susie, for that announcement. And thank you for all of your love, your prayers, your support for this ministry. This ministry is actually expanding, and we are targeting the 18th of June for the the launch of the newapostle.net. That's apostolic evangelism for an electronic and expanding universe. And I really want to invite you to see what's going on in the next few weeks. We are working really day and night in putting all the elements together and bringing it to fruition. So what we will be having is, if all goes well, with God's blessings on this, we will have a new platform from which to launch a lot of our our ministries. One of the new... um, one of the new videos that we have out is called it's called the elevator priest much like an elevator pitch you know where in the course of an elevator ride you make the pitch this is an elevator priest in the course of an elevator ride he answers the questions that touch us and so the elevator priest is on tiktok It'll probably be going on to other social media platforms, but there are some viral ones, especially the last one about um, about the what are they called those evil eyes? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty wild. It's called the Elevator Priest on TikTok. Don't want to miss that. That's the newest in the Apostle Treasury of broadcasts. So. Uh, With that, let's call it a day for today. Uh, This Sunday, yeah, thank you for reminding me. This Sunday I will be at St. Gregory, Pasadena. My former parish, oh, looking forward to that. I'll be at the St. Gregory Armenian Church in Pasadena celebrating the Divine Liturgy and offering the sermon. If you happen to be in the area, I'd love to see you. On behalf of the people who put today's show together, I want to thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed presenting it to you. Please check out the show notes and you will find links to everything we talk. On behalf of the wonderful crew who put together today's show, including my producer Susie and myself, Father Voskin, I look forward to seeing you again next week when we will take the next step. And now here's the fine print. The information and comments presented within this podcast and our website do not necessarily represent the views of the Armenian Church hierarchy, but are presented as a challenge to define the dynamics of Armenian Orthodoxy in all aspects of life. Listening to these shows is habit-forming. Addictive behavior associated with the next step is rarely, if ever, remedied. Rather, the next step is known to relieve and cure common cases of narrow-mindedness, prejudice, numbskullness, and glaucoma in patients over the age of 20. Results may vary depending on credit rating. Findings are based on double-blind studies conducted in Istanbul and Jerusalem. Side effects include mind expansion, clarity of focus, higher rates of heart palpitations, sensitivity to the pain of others, and occasional nausea. The management and production crew vpostle.net take full responsibility for changes you will experience. Not valid with any other offer. I forgot to ask you if uh, you, you're seeing the same sky as we are. Uh, bye.